She's passionate about the truth of God's word and will tell you like it is. Autumn Miles is best-selling author of three books, popular speaker, CEO, wife of 17 years, and mom of four kids, and not to mention, everybody's best friend. With fresh biblical insight, she dares you to step out in raw faith. Hey, hey guys, welcome back to another brand new, super fresh, I just love that word, fresh, it's just a happy word, edition of the Autumn Mile Show. Now, after the break... We're going to get real serious. I have been teasing you and I have been telling you we are going to talk about this whole deconstruction movement that is happening, that is literally sweeping, I mean, at least the our country. I know that for sure. I want to talk about it. I promised you we're going to, we, you, we were going to talk about it and we are going to talk about it. But before we do that, I, I have a guest coming on. It's actually my brother. He's a pastor up in Ohio. And he's going to, we're just going to have some dialogue about this. And what we see is, is healthy and what we see is toxic. And I think it's really important that there are some barriers. There are some boundaries when you're talking about deconstruction. Okay. But that will be after the break. I want to talk about what's going on in my life. I have there are there are six people in my family and there is there's actually seven members of my family though. The seventh member of my family, her name is Dolly Parton. Now, it's not Dolly Parton like the person Dolly Parton. Last year we did adopt a COVID dog. Yes, we did. I think everyone in the world adopted a puppy last year. I don't know what it is, but like we we went to the shelter and there were no dogs in the animal shelter, which is a great thing. You know, they were all adopted out, but we were one of those families that we we've had dogs over the years and we were wanting another dog. And my husband really wanted to get, especially Haven, my six-year-old, she, he really wanted to get her a dog because Haven is obsessed with animals. She is the girl that wants to be at the zoo 24-7. She loves the zoo. I mean, everything, every animal, every insect, every spider, every grasshopper, every ant is like a big deal to Haven. So we wanted to get her a little puppy to, you know, so she could have fun in her childhood years with the dog. I don't know. Anyway, we named the dog Dolly Parton. Now, Dolly Parton weighs two and a half pounds. She is teeny tiny. And I do mean teeny tiny. Like she's like, her body is like the size of like a large baked potato. Like the dog is teeny tiny. And to look at her, she is really cute. Okay. She's got like this reddish brownish hair. She's a Bichon Frise mixed with a toy poodle. So, so the dog is like cute. Okay. She's cute when you look at her. But yesterday I was uh, getting ready for work and getting all my little ducks in a row for work. And my little teeny tiny dog starts barking like crazy, starts growling, hissing because someone had come to the door and rang the doorbell. Now this goes on for a while and typically it's like Amazon or something like that. So I just, I, I kind of discount the fact that she's freaking out and you know, she eventually stops. Well, yesterday she did not stop. She was like, I mean, she was growling so hard. I thought that something was going to happen to her little voice box. Okay. The dog was freaking out. I go, there is someone standing at the door. You know, one of those people that want to check your roof to make sure you don't have any holes in your roof or something like that. I pick her up. She immediately stops. I opened the door and the lady on the other side was like, she is cute, but she is very, very spicy. And I was like, yes, yes, she is very spicy. And so here's the thing I want to talk about that I don't feel like anybody talks about. My dog is mean. Is that even allowed to be said? She's not a very nice dog. We have to warn people when she comes in. Now, if you look at her, she is the absolute cutest thing you would ever see in her life. But she is only nice 
to me, my husband, Haven, Grace, and sometimes Jude, but she's sometimes she's not even very nice to, to the boys just because they're so, you know, they're just, I don't even know why. I don't even know. You'd have to ask her. She's not very nice, but can I tell you this about her? I kind of like that about her. I don't know why. I feel like everyone has these little puffy, little cute little dogs. And you see them on like Instagram. You see them like cuddling up with their owners and stuff like that. And she does love to cuddle with us. But if you see us walking down the street with Dolly Parton, she is going to look at you. She's going to growl at you. She's going to bark at you. She's probably not going to like you. And it's kind of one of those things where I'm like, you know, do I tell someone? to stay away or, or what do I do? But yesterday after she barked at that woman, I picked her up and I apologize because I'm always so embarrassed that she's not nice to people. And I just thought to myself, this tiny little dog is trying to protect us. She's trying to warn us when something's happening. She's trying to love us. This is her way of loving us. And I don't know, it just kind of did something to my heart yesterday. I was like, man, Lord, you gave us like, she thinks she's a 200 pound pit bull, but she's not. And I don't know, something about it yesterday just made my heart, I don't know, just love her. She's really, she's really cute, but she's kind of mean. So be careful if you see me out <laughs> and about in my community. Anyway, that is what what is happening in my life. Listen, after the break, it's going to be kind of heavy, okay? And that's okay. We can have open, honest, heavy conversations. I feel very called to talk about this deconstruction uh, fad that is kind of sweeping the country. And we're going to do that. We're going to talk about the good, the bad, the ugly when I come back from my break. So please do not go anywhere. And, and, and here, here, this as well. If you know of anyone that is using the word deconstruction, send them this podcast, send it over to them, because I think this is going to inform them in maybe a way that maybe they haven't been informed before. And I want them to get truth. I'm going to use a lot of scripture today. We're going to talk about scripture, what scripture says about this. And it's just going to be an open, raw, honest conversation. So Come back after the break, and um, we're going to do this thing. I'll see you in a sec. We'll be back with more from Autumn right after this. Are you looking for a passionate speaker for your next conference, church function, or fundraiser? Autumn Miles is the right fit for you. As the founder of the Autumn Miles Ministry, a live event ministry, Autumn has not only spoken at events around the country, she has planned and directed them. Autumn is a survivor of domestic abuse, and she is passionate about educating the church on how to effectively assist victims. Her message of hope and healing has been shared on the big stage internationally. Autumn is devoted to spiritually challenging people to draw closer to God. She is a passionate advocate for the word of God, women, domestic violence victims, and adoption. To find out how you can book Autumn for your next speaking engagement, go to autumnmiles.com. Once you're there, just search the top of the index for the Invite Autumn tab, Click on it and scroll down for more information. Once again, that's autumnmiles.com. And now back to the Autumn Miles Show. Here's your host, Autumn Miles. Hey, hey, guys, and welcome back. You guys, I have been looking forward to this conversation for a while now, ever since I knew God wanted me to talk about the deconstruction movement, I've been excited about it. And I think we've delayed it a couple of times for several different reasons, but the Lord really just kind of zeroed me in on having David on. David Carey is my brother. He is a pastor up in Columbus, Ohio, and I'll introduce him here in a second because he's dealt with this deconstruction concept 
in his church body as a church and just kind of also in his life personally. I know that I know that we are getting bombarded with questions about it. And uh, several months ago, we did just like a pastor talk where we had I had several pastors on the podcast and we asked them lots of questions. That was wildly popular amongst you guys. And I want I want to kind of keep talking about some of these trends because I think it's important to have a biblical voice of reason speak into them. And I think it's important that we look to the word of God rather than our feelings when it comes to something as weighty and as heavy as deconstructing your faith. Now, I'm going to introduce David in just a second. I have a lot of very strong opinions about this. I will say this deconstruction word is the trendy word for reforming your faith. Okay. And David, Dave will add his own two cents into it whenever I bring him on. But I, I want, I want to just give you a definition and then I'm going to have David define it in his way as well. Deconstruction. And, and I looked this up just so I could have some words behind it is the process of questioning, doubting, and ultimately rejecting aspects of the Christian faith, okay? This is basically called destructionism. So when we, when I say the word deconstruction and you're like, what is that? I haven't heard of it. If you've not heard of it, that's what we're talking about. Deconstructing your faith, questioning, doubting, and ultimately, this is this is what I found in, in my own research of what how exactly do you define this, rejecting aspects of the Christian faith. Okay. That is what we're going to talk about. I want to go ahead and bring David on. David's on right now. He's listening to what we're saying. So David, I've, I've introduced you. You're a pastor at Life Church up there in Columbus, Ohio. You are my brother. And we spar on theology, on doctrine, on mm-hmm. lots of things. We do not always agree on no. everything. <laughs> But we do, I would say 90% of the time we do agree on things. This is something though that has been, I think you were the first person I heard talk about this word deconstruction, okay? And this sort of affected your world or was brought into your world many years ago. Now it's, it's become trendy. I would say on the podcast and on the blogs and stuff like that in the last 12 months, I think it took a while to gain steam and to gain popularity, but you were the first person that actually introduced me to it, which is why I wanted to have just a, a conversation with me and you about this topic. Tell me from your perspective, as we get into this conversation, how would you define deconstruction? Well, it, I mean, it goes back to a French philosopher, which I'm sure all of you have read his works. His name was Jacques Derrida. And it, it wasn't traditionally a spiritual idea. And what he did was when he coined the term, it was an approach to understanding the relationship between text and meaning. So basically, if you can separate the text from its meaning, you are deconstructing it. And so what's happened, I think, within my context and within a spiritual, religious church context is, like you said, it it exposes the taught doctrine and the assumptions that we have had, maybe some of us growing up or even now, or how we approach the Bible. And it usually is based in when someone sees contradictions within the teacher of these doctrines or, or even the material that they're reading and they don't know how to reconcile that. And it starts this process of, deconstruction in their own lives. And yeah, our church, we fell into it about six years ago. And we seem to be the church that is the net for all of those who are, I'm going back to church, but this is my one last stand. I'm questioning everything about the way that I was raised in my faith right now, but I'm going to try church again. 
And our church seems to be that net. And so we attract a lot of these people who are in this questioning phase of, well, does the text really have that meaning that I was taught? Or could the text mean something else? So that's my definition. And like I just said, this has gained a lot of steam over the last 12 months from my perspective. I see people, I think when we had COVID and when COVID uh, came in, you know, there was a challenge to the routine. There was a challenge to going to church every Sunday. There was a challenge to, you know, just, just really everything we have ever known. So a lot of people during that time, we couldn't go to church. The churches were closed. Okay. So we, we started thinking or, or some people started thinking a little bit differently about church. Do I need church? Mm -hmm. Do I need to be in community with people? If I don't need church because I have coexisted without church now for months, do I really need faith? Do I really believe? And that thought process has kind of spiraled us into a lot of people questioning their faith. Okay. Yeah. That's why I, one of the questions I want to talk about is why do you think it's popular right now? That's what I see. So what are you seeing? Cause we, I live in Dallas, you live up in Columbus. What are you seeing that is really triggering people to start this deconstruction process? Well, in my experience, I believe we have a, a split where culture is no longer aligning with biblical values. And you have people, it's really hard to reconcile on what they have been taught or what the church has said when it doesn't align with popular culture. So I think since the 70s, all the way up until the age of the iPhone and social media and Google all these things that put information right at our fingertips and we can tailor what we want to what we want to believe so we type in google what does it say about this and we can find 50 opinions that align with what we feel the way that we believe so i just think it's popular right now because christianity is no longer the cool thing i mean the billy graham age where we had people flocking to stadiums and being moved by the power of the Holy Spirit and coming down and giving their lives to Jesus. Like that age is done. It's mm-hmm. over. And we have connectivity across the globe. And even, even culture-wise, like the pastors of our day are celebrities. And so you have these, these younger people who are, well, man, this church is old news. Like the celebrities are pushing this. How do I make my faith fit this? How do I make my faith be reconciled to what culture is saying? Because I, I, I think we're entering into an age where it's the tares are being weeded out and we're starting to see the true genuine believers in Jesus. And it's some of these people have not been discipled very well or they're the people that were shepherding their souls have had moral failures or churches that they have went to, you know, I, I just, I think we have a lot of people who have been sent out into the great unknown as sheep Mm -hmm. and there are wolves who are devouring them and they are buying into it. So I, so Ecclesiastes one nine says there is nothing new under the sun. I think, and I want to get into like three things that you just said, but I want to blanket it with this. I don't believe this is anything new. I think the term is new. The term is trendy. Um, But I also think, you know, when you look back to the Reformation and you look to, to, you know, these time periods in scripture, people had had enough. They had had enough dealing with what the scripture said, but then everything else that was added onto it by legalism and things like that. I think this deconstruction is kind of a modern day, almost reformation. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I, I mean, I agree. We, we, we haven't had the written word for that long. I mean, we've had what, yeah. four, 500 years of the actual 
written word. I mean, before that, it was orally communicated. And, and what Martin Luther did for the church was extraordinary, like releasing it to the general man and woman. Like, mm -hmm. that was extraordinary. And he risked his life, his career. He was, he was, a lot of men and women were, were just called heretics and, and driven under the mud for what they had done for the faith. And now we find people, I think we're going back to pre-Reformation mm. and the priests are now a guy with a microphone sitting in his parents' basement, spewing hate about Christianity and the church and how we're dogmatic and small-minded. So, and, and people are buying into it, to it because I mean, it's, it, it gives them, it tailors what they want from faith is no, I want a faith that's not offensive to my life or that challenges me or that calls me to die to myself. So I think a lot of people are thinking, oh, this is new, this is whatever, but we do know that there has been cycles of this. I mean, when Jesus came, look at what, what he did. I mean, he brought salvation, grace, uh, salvation through faith, not of works. And so I think we're kind of going through one of those periods that I actually believe God is using to sort of, like you said, prune the church back. Okay. One of the things that you mentioned one of my questions ago was the culture that has been developed in the church that is causing a lot of people to question, deconstruct, doubt, whatever. I think COVID is one of those things that God sort of put a microscope on the church and said, okay, we're, there's a lot there. He used it. He used it for his glory. Like he always does, even though it was a horrible thing to say, okay, what, what are we doing? Well, what are we not doing? Well, one of the things that we're not doing well is the celebrity pastor thing. I think people yeah. are sick of worshiping men and not God, because ultimately, as we've seen over the last several years, people are people and people fail and people sin and they put people up on these super high, high, high pedestals that they are not created to be on. God alone is created to be on those pedestals. And when they fall, it causes them to question their faith in general. When you're looking at deconstruction do you see a lot of the root of this is in church hurt? What do you think about that? I, I do believe people who are walking through deconstruction are hurting. And I, I, I think a lot of times it's easy for me to make them the enemy. But just that I'm constantly brought back to that passage in Luke or Jesus, Luke 9, he looks over the crowds and he has compassion over the crowd yeah. because he says what they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. And the call of God on a man or woman's life to pastor and to teach and to exhort, I mean, it's, it's, it's a heavy calling, but I mean, ultimately my job as a pastor, I've, I've been a pastor for 10 years in Columbus, Ohio. My job is to lead people back to Jesus, mm -hmm. to the good shepherd who won't forsake them, who won't leave them, who will shepherd their soul. You know, I that passage in Psalm 23 that we probably all know, the Lord is my shepherd. Yeah. What is what does it say after that? I shall not want. And I, I think some people have bought into, well, my shepherd is blah, 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 or, or my shepherd is this person. And when they fall, everything that they taught me or that I believed, I throw away mm -hmm. and it, it turns into rubble. And I, I deconstruct all that because I have to build something new because if that person fell and that's what I was basing my faith off of, yeah, then my, What's going to happen when I realize that this actually isn't true and I don't believe this? So, um, yeah, I think that uh, church hurt is has really spurred this 
at least from what uh, from what I'm hearing, a lot of people to question their faith. And I will say, as I've prayed over this episode, I, you know, David, you know, you're you're in our family. When I was kicked out of our church, I knew it was it didn't agree with my soul. Yeah, I knew something was off. And we didn't have a fancy term like deconstruction. I didn't even know what that was. But I knew I needed to find out what does God's word say about how I should construct my life. Yeah. And I started looking at truths like prayer. That's why I wrote Gangster Prayer. That's why I do what I do. Because I started looking at truths from God's word and saying, I never thought of it that way. Cause I was just listening to what someone else told me about a truth of God's word. I would say I constructed my faith 20 years ago during that time, uh, not against culture, but against scripture. And what prompted that in me was the church hurting me. It wasn't the church that hurt me. It was people in the church that hurt me, that I had put up on pedestals that I felt betrayed by. And that's what started a constructing of my faith. I don't even like the word deconstruction, but a constructing of my faith built on a completely different foundation. It wasn't built on what they said. It was yeah. built on what God said. It wasn't built on what they think of me. It was built on what, what does God think of me? It wasn't built on anything that is fallible or people's words. It was built on the word of God. And I think that when you, when you question your faith, if, if it's based on a church hurt, when you question it, you need to deconstruct or construct against the accountability of scripture, not the accountability of culture. What do you, what do you think about that? Yeah. I, I mean, your story is perfect. I, I think that's you deconstructing in a way that has brought life and flourishing and it's led you back to Jesus. And ultimately that's, that's what I want for people who are in my church. When I, when I hear someone who says I'm in the midst of deconstruction, you know, you, you have compassion over those people because there is a person or an institution usually that has hurt them. Mm -hmm. Someone who's new to the faith, they don't have that baggage. They walk in, they're like, this is great. This is right. wild. Like, yeah, I, I feel something in this space. What's going on here. But we did a, a a course at our church called the alpha course and it's for brand new christians well not even christians it's for people who want to like atheists you invite people in and, and we present the gospel but there was this lady who came and she brought her boyfriend she was like i'm just here for him and you know he's like loving it he's like whoa that's who jesus is whoa that's why the word of god's important that's why church <laughs> is important and she's sitting here every session like this is what the church did to me. And this is how it hurt me when I went through my divorce and I was left with my two kids and I married this perfect man, but he turned out to be this. And it was, it was way more for her than it was for him. Yeah. But I like, I, you have to see these people. I, I would say 5% of them just want to fight and argue, but the 95% truly do have, have been hurt in some shape or form and are, wanting to question the very things that you did and wanting to arrive back at Jesus ultimately. So what, what does the Bible say about deconstructing David? Well, you know, I, I think the Bible is very positive towards actually questioning and wrestling. You know, one of the passages that we teach our leaders at life church is the first Timothy three, nine, it says this, they must keep hold of the deep truths of the faith with a clear conscience or other translations. They must hold the mystery of the faith with a clear conscience. I mean, that is, there is mystery mm. when you're, when you're trying to assign human terms and emotions and feelings to an infinite God, 
there is mystery when it comes to that. So yes, there's things that we can be certain on. There's also things that we take to the Lord and we wrestle with. And, you know, you have Jacob in Genesis. He's wrestling right with God. And he says, I will not leave until I get a blessing from you. And he ends up with with the out of joint hip, but he actually, Job. Yeah. And Job, Job historically is the very first book of the Bible ever written. And mm-hmm. what a weird book. Mm-hmm. But Job gets dialogue with God. And I, I think in our faith, the Bible is designed to allow us to do that. It lets us see the heart of God and lets us know who he is, but it also puts us in a position of dialogue with God. So I, I, well, I know that in Philippians, it talks about work out Philippians 2.12 precisely work out your salvation with fear and trembling. And you know that those are, I have done that. I have been Jacob. I have wrestled with God over things. The Bible, I think, you know, I don't like the term deconstruction at all because I think it's prideful. I think it's like, you know, I'm going to take this and I'm going to let you all know what I think about God. I just think it's a nasty word. I don't, I personally don't like it. Maybe you like it. That's my own personal opinion. However, God invites us to come in and to, and, and to, to search the scriptures for truth when we are handling any sort of situation. And just like you said a few minutes ago, I think he looks at us with compassion because Mm -hmm. he knows that his ways are so much greater than ours and, and so much, so much higher than ours. He's not intimidated with our questions. I think when we think pridefully that we are going to figure everything out in the scripture or we're out. That's when I think there is a problem with this deconstruction. When I first started talking about deconstruction, like last year, when it, when it started to become questions in my own inbox, I didn't like it because I felt like the people that were deconstructing were looking at everything and then it would ultimately lead to the demolition of their faith. Yeah. Ultimately, they were they were trying to find something that they couldn't find an answer to so they could be out of the faith. And I do think a lot of people have done that. That is the danger of deconstructing your faith without good, godly accountability in your yep. life. T- talk to me about that and the result that has happened within your church. Specifically, I mean, like you said, deconstruction almost ends up making you the ultimate authority, right? You know, and you are you are your own actual god. And I mean, when you throw off the authority of scripture and godly community, like you said, it gets really dangerous. You you get prideful, and man, the age old. And why have we not learned this? The age old lie of satan is he went to eve and he said did god really say really say did god really say don't eat i mean are you going to deny yourself of nourishing food what do you do to jesus the very first temptation he's out fasting and praying in the wilderness yeah here jesus turn that stone into bread you're hungry do it would God deny you that fleshly desire to eat nourishing food? And I think that's where a lot of people are falling for the exact same thing. Well, no, God, God wouldn't meet, d- deny me this desire. So what voice can I find? What shepherd can I find that will speak to what I want to hear? Like, I, I forget where it's at in the Bible, but I think it's in maybe in Timothy, but where it says in the end times, we'll, we'll look for teachers that say things that, that preach doctrine that make our ears tickle. Tickle. Yeah. And I, I, I think we have a lot of that right now. And I think it's ultimately is that people, they haven't been willing to accept accountable discipleship or they just don't want to ask those questions. And when they do, it can be a beautiful thing. Like you said, they start to rebuild and they have a beautiful faith at the end of it. So you, you are saying 
give me some parameters for someone that wants to, I'm not even going to use the word deconstruction because I don't like it, evaluate or reform their faith. What is a healthy way to do that? What is a good way to do that? I uh, I can give you my uh, my very opinionated way, which is quit listening to podcasts if people are just trying to make money off of you. And but don't stop listening to this one. Well, right. <laughs> if, if if the pot if a podcast is your ultimate authority, you're that something's wrong there. You got the, yes. the the design of church and godly community is brilliant. Yeah. It's brilliant because that's where you get to take these thoughts and ideas. Hey, I read in, I, I read in Jesus's words. He said this about this. What do you think? And I, I, I think first of all, find a church, find godly community that you can wrestle with these things on, have a daily diet of reading the Bible mm-hmm. daily. I, I mean, People get more excited about a daily Instagram Enneagram post of I'm seven than they do about reading. That's the a whole nother God. show talking whole, about the Enneagram. A whole nother show. <laughs> I should have you back on. We should talk about that. People oh, hate man. Us. <laughs> but, but people get more excited about stuff like that than they do about reading the word of God and actually entering in a prayer life. Like what's your prayer life like? Are you actually praying and seeking God over these issues that you have questions with? Are you wrestling? Because that is important. Going back to Martin Luther, he released it to the general public so that they themselves could read and be nourished and encouraged and could have the opportunity to wrestle with God. Yeah. And it's a it's a beautiful thing. I'm I've been very thankful for the times where I've had questions with the Lord and no answers. And where the Lord has almost given me a Job answer of where were you Yeah. when the foundations of the earth were laid? And I- so it is a health, it, it can be a healthy process when it's done with godly community. Yes. Is what you're saying. I think it gets toxic when we hold the truths of scripture, the, you know, the sacraments, the, the pillars of scripture, up against our own intelligence. Because when I became a believer, I believed by faith. Yeah. Faith is a real thing. Yeah. It is tangible. I think when people start questioning like the resurrection and things like that, things that the word of God clearly speaks about, it clearly says that Jesus resurrected from the dead. When we're starting questioning those things, um, that's when we are holding our ideas up against culture and not against the word of God. And that's when I think demolition starts to happen. So what are some warning signs to someone who is from you, David, that yeah. to someone that is going through a deconstruction period that maybe they're, you know, kind of off off. they're not doing it right. Uh, I think the warning signs are pride. I mean, pride always a lot of, a lot of people that I've talked to are in the midst of this feel very prideful about the books that they've read, the podcast. They immediately want you to go to this podcast and listen to it and hear this person's perspective. They become very short. Uh, They, I mean, I've seen them, like people that have loved them for years, they've completely cut out of their lives. Like they made the statement, if you believe this, then you can't be in my life anymore. Mm-hmm. And I mean, that is not what scripture says. Scripture actually says, go out of your way to be at peace with everyone, even yeah. if they disagree with you or don't think like you. And and that's for those who are actually in the church. We, we make mistakes. Pastors and leaders and those who are called by God, we do make mistakes. Mm-hmm. But if you're not going to be open and vulnerable enough to come to me and say, hey, this really hurt me when you did this. If you are if you immediately say, I'm out, I'm going to leave, that's a warning sign. Yeah. Like 
for for those who have loved you for over years, over years, and have prayed for you forever, and that you can throw them off in an instant, that's a warning. That's destructive behavior. I I mean, we I I put everything up to the lens of the fruits of the spirit. Like, are these progressing in your life? Patience, kindness, long suffering, all these things that when you read them in scripture, they don't seem very exciting. But this, that to me is a litmus test of, are you growing towards Jesus, towards being more like him? Well, how are the fruits of the spirit in your life? Is there bitterness? Is there hatred? Is there anger towards your brother? Well, you got to deal with that. And if, mm-hmm. if, if you don't want to deal with it, then it's going to destroy your life. So that's kind of uh, what I've seen. I, so those are, those would be the warning signs, you know, the opposite of the fruit of the spirit, leaving healthy community of believers that might say, mm, you're kind of, <laughs> you're not thinking right here. The Bible doesn't say that. Let's, let's bring it back in. Let's, let's look up under the accountability of scripture. Um, and we've already talked about the healthy way to do it. Find someone that you can talk to and really bounce things off of. I think over the years that has been, it's been amazing. I use my husband for that a lot. Like, what do you think about this? Or what do you think about that? And, you know, ultimately our belief system and structure is built on the the things that the Bible says. When you, you can feel good about questioning and deconstructing, if you will, if you align yourself with the word of God. And then eventually you are going to have to believe by faith Faith. because you, you just are not ever going to be able to figure everything out. What would you like to say in closing, David? I was leaving church today and there was a mom who was calling uh, one of the pastors at our church and just explaining to her, her daughter goes to our church. And I just think there's a lot of you out there who are caught on both sides. You're in the middle of, of deconstructing and you don't know how to have honest conversations with it. And I want to say to you, it's okay to have those conversations in your church. Yeah. You're, you're, if your leaders and your pastors can't handle it, then shame on them. But it's okay to have those questions. And find another church. <laughs> yeah. Then it's time to leave. But there are people out there who will walk you through it and who will love you and who won't look at you like you're the scourge of society. But then those who are caught on the other side, who you're you're finding family members and people that you've loved for years that just seem to be cutting you out of their life, don't discount mm-hmm. the power of prayer. And 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 we use this an, a, analogy or this parable at our church of the prodigal son, like you know, the father didn't go with the son. The father didn't say, hey, son, how can I make the farm better for you? Stay. No, the father said, here's your inheritance. You go, son. And the son left. But when the son returned, what did the father do? All right, now we got to have a discussion about how you were wrong about everything. No, the father ripped off his clothes so he could run as yeah. fast as he could to the son and embrace him. And he, guess what? Pretty sure his farm never changed. It was the same. His son returned and his father said, it's still here for you, son. It's still here. So some of you who are out there and hurting and you're thinking, man, I I need a church that's a spiritual net to catch my son or daughter that's wrestling through this. Keep praying and keep believing and trusting. And you yourself have faith that God is doing a work Mm -hmm. in their life. I'll say once I went through my constructing process, because I will not use the other term, I I met a God I I didn't even know existed. I met a God who was gracious, who was loving, who was accepting. I didn't feel like I had to clean myself up to go pray. I felt like I could come exactly as I was. I felt a new vigor, a new lease on life. I felt like a fresh, new, just supernatural opportunities were waiting for me. 
on the other side of getting hurt by the church, people in the church and having to really evaluate what I believed. And I could have gone the wrong, the other direction real fast. So if you are in that questioning process, know that the Lord wants to reveal himself to you. The Lord wants you. And we talk about, we've talked about community a lot, but the Lord wants to be in community with you. You're not going to make him mad or anything like that. He can handle it. David already talked about Job and how Job, Job questioned. Go read the book of Job and know that there is a God that is accepting, that is gracious, that is merciful, that is compassionate, that is looking at you saying, I've got the answer that you are looking for. I've got the answer. You don't have to look for some fancy podcast. I've got the answer for what you're looking for and seek him mm. for it. And if you can't find it, go to your pastor. Okay. Um, David, we do, um, we, we are going to take a break and then we're going to come back and we have one question from a viewer that I, that I'm going to keep you on for. So guys, I know this has been long, but again, felt like I felt like God wanted me to talk about it. And that's why we did it because that's who we serve. It's not the Autumn Mile show. It's the God is telling Autumn what to do show. Okay. So uh, join me after the break. We have a question from a viewer about deconstruction. We'll be back in a sec. We'll be back with more from Autumn right after this. Does it seem like God is answering everyone's prayers, but yours? Do you want to see results from your prayer life? Do you feel as if you are a professional Christian with an amateur prayer life? If so, Autumn's latest book, Gangster Prayer, is for you. Autumn Miles wrote Gangster Prayer because she herself experienced disappointment from years of praying with little results. Gangster Prayer will show you how to unlearn bad habits in prayer and build your prayer life on a foundation of faith and not doubt. Get your copy of Gangster Prayer today at autumnmiles.com or anywhere books are sold. Be sure to follow Autumn on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Just search for Autumn Miles in your internet browser. And now back to the Autumn Miles Show. Here's your host, Autumn Miles. Okay, guys, we're back from the break. I hope you took a really, really deep breath. Oh, I know I did. Okay. We have a, David took a deep breath too. <laughs> we all need a deep breath after that. So I have a question from a follower and I think we've already answered this, but I'm just going to go ahead and say it anyway, David, I'm going to, I'm going to throw this to you as a Christian. Is it okay to have questions or even doubts sometimes about what I believe in? How do I not allow the questioning of my faith to cause me to walk away from my faith. I'm going to give that to you. Well, I mean, yeah, I, I think we have answered this already, but don't be afraid of, of your questions. And as Autumn even stated in this past segment, like allow those questions to draw you closer to Jesus. And, and just, I believe that in my life, I, I, I have questions all the time of things that I read in scripture and, and even what God tells me. And I do, I have a lot of people that I go to that I will ask those questions to. And on our staff, we're very open with each other and allow space for that Mm -hmm. space for questioning and space for wrestling with God. And because I, I find myself in certain seasons where there's like a, a frustration in me where I'm sitting in church and there's a frustration Mm. like, God, what is that? Why is that frustration there? And a lot of times it turns into God freeing me of things that I was holding onto in my own heart or, or giving me a vision for what he wants to do in the future of our church. And so sometimes those are really good for our our spiritual walk. It's, it's, it's like we wrestle out, our faith with fear and trembling. You know, there, there is an element of that and it, it, it brings us to further maturity in Jesus. When we, when we lean into those questions and don't just walk away and think, well, I'm not going to question that at all because I'm afraid of, of what could happen. If you're in a 
good godly community don't be afraid good i think um you know i i was just thinking of this idea of having a conversation with just anyone in my life david i talk to you pretty regularly you know when when you call me on the phone you're like hi how are you doing how is your family how is this there's an open dialogue between the two of us i don't just sit there and not say anything you know, when you have questions with anyone, you ask the question, you expect to get an answer. And that that is the same way with your relationship with the Lord, being open, being honest. Hey, Lord, how do I handle this doubt? How do I handle this frustration? What do I do? Because it's, I'm having I, I'm finding it hard to trust you right now. Those things God has mm-hmm. the answer for, and he's got the grace for, and he's got the mercy for, and he's got the compassion for, and you are not the first person that has asked him those things. So on that note, I'm going to pray uh, just to end the podcast. Thank you, David, for being on. Yeah, thanks for having me. I always love your perspective. Okay, guys, let's pray it up. Lord, we love you so much. And God, I, I pray for that person's heart right now that is questioning. And they're, they've heard this term deconstruction and they're thinking, wow, maybe I should give up the faith. Maybe I should, you know, just just stop going to church or, or stop going to my life group or whatever. And Lord, I just pray that this would stir in them your compassion for them. I pray that they would feel your compassion and your mercy for them right now. And God, I pray that as they seek you, that they would find your, you tell us, Lord, this is a promise from you. You will seek me when you find me and you search for me with all of your heart. And your word also says, I will be found by you. So Lord, you are available to that person right now that is questioning and is asking and is wrestling. And they're wondering, why would you allow this to happen in my life? Why did that, that church leader betray me? God, I pray that they would find you in the midst of their questions. They would find your spirit in the midst of their questions. Great shepherd, I pray that you would lead them on, that you would lead them forward, that you would lead them in the way of righteousness, Lord. And God, I I, I just ask for you to continue to have your hand on what we're doing here on Mike, on Lisa, on Cassie, on Amanda, on myself, on the team. God, we thank you on Ellen for uh, for what you are doing here. And we ask you to continue to bless. We love you, Jesus. And it is for your name that we do this. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Amen. All right, guys. I'll see you next week. Love you so much. Have a great week. Thanks for listening to this edition of the Autumn Miles Show. To find out more, go to autumnmiles.com. There, you can book Autumn for your next speaking engagement. Her inspiring message will be sure to engage and touch the heart of your audience at your next conference, church event, or business function. While you're online, you can find out how to order Autumn's latest book, Gangster Prayer. Our prayer is that this book will lead you to an intentional and passionate prayer life that is in sync with the heart of God. Go to autumnmiles.com to order your copy today. As we close, remember that you can follow Autumn on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Just search for Autumn Miles in your internet browser. Well, that's all the time we have for today. Be sure to join us next time for another edition of the Autumn Miles Show.